unwind your mind back to God. Experiencing a Course in Miracles by David Hofmeister. Chapter 1 A Message from the Holy Spirit on Form and Content. When your mind is riveted on the holy purpose of healing God's Son, then you know what the world is for. This is content. To focus solely on content, the Holy Spirit, is to give the world a unified purpose. It is only by seeing past the ego's separate purposes form-based purposes that true happiness and joy can be found. The world of form, of specifics, was made as an attack on God, as a hiding place for the mind that was terrified of the believed repercussions of separating from God. The mind is addicted to form because form is a defense against truth. The mind that believes it's separated from God is terrified of the truth. It has become totally dependent on form for its survival because it believes that its source of life is within the world of form. To perceive specifics and treat them as whole units in and of themselves is to close the mind to healing. The mind that is focused on form is asleep. It has forgotten wholeness, communion, oneness. It has forgotten God. The way back to this remembrance is through the healing of distorted perception. A unified purpose is given and is to be transferred and applied to every aspect of the mind, to every experience, in order to return the mind to a focus on content. Content sees two categories, love and a call for love. Every moment is an opportunity to join in the holy instant where there is no past, no bodies and no world. To focus on form is idol worship. To decide upon form goals and outcomes is to lose the understanding of purpose. The mind is always choosing. A decision is made in every moment and the focus is either on form or on content. The ego uses form, the body, the world and all forms of communication for pride, pleasure and attack. Form is used to build a self-concept the self-concept is used in competition with what is perceived to be other self-concepts. Defense and attack become major distractions. Every war, from the grand scale of a world war and genocide 
to a battle of wills over who will wash the dishes this evening stems from a focus on form. Only when a brother is seen as a body can upset and attack be experienced. Only when the world of form is seen as causative can defense even be considered. To focus on form is to judge. Form is the past. Form is an illusion of the past. The mind that reacts to anything of this world, including interactions with brothers, is reacting to the past, to associations that are held in mind. Success and failure in this world are always judged upon form outcomes. Did the couple stay together? Did the job get finished? Were you hired or fired? Shall we celebrate or commiserate? Content sees all things as the same. Content sees all brothers as one. Content sees every moment as an opportunity to forgive, to release the past, to offer a reminder of innocence, and to remember that all things, past, present, and yet to come, are gently planned by one who knows the best outcome for all concerned. When all things are seen to be working together for good, the mind can rest. When the mind is at rest, love returns to awareness. It takes great willingness and trust to begin to turn away from the deeply ingrained and completely upside-down belief system of the ego. Every belief is to be loosened from the mind and seen as having an unreal cause. God is cause. God is the source of life. Moment by moment, I will work with your beliefs, taking you step by step as you unwind your mind from the many false concepts that you believe keep you safe and make you happy. Only the release from these false beliefs can bring you true happiness and lasting peace. Many forms, one correction. David, as a springboard for deepening our understanding of form and content, we begin with the section called The Equality of Miracles. The first sentence is a common idea that you are probably familiar with in working with the cause. The only judgment involved is the Holy Spirit's one division into two categories. One of love and the other the call for love. Text chapter 14, section 10. 
The Holy Spirit sorts all the varied messages that the mind seems to receive from the outside world into two categories. One is the extension of love and the other is a call for love. The first is when you feel the warm resonance of receiving love. Whenever someone is in fear or believing in the lack of love, that is just a call for love. When love is being extended, you feel loving. When there is a call for love, answer it with love. The ego has a third category. And that is attack. If you do not perceive love or a call for love, you perceive attack. Either you think you have attacked someone or you think someone else is attacking you. The defenses come up because of this misperception. The key is that all you have to do is to be tuned in with the Holy Spirit. He only has two categories, love or a call for love. In either case, you will extend. You will answer with love. As this paragraph goes on, we think, it is so simple. Why can I not perceive everything as either just love or a call for love? Why do I perceive attack? You cannot safely make this division, for you are much too confused either to recognize love or to believe that everything else is nothing but a call for love. You are too bound to form and not to content. What you consider content is not content at all. It is merely form and nothing else. For you do not respond to what a brother really offers you, but only to the particular perception of his offering by which the ego judges. Text chapter 14, section 10 Here is the idea of form and content. In the one sense, when you read something like this, you think, Well, I can see that that is my problem. I am confused. I am too bound to form. For me, the next question was always, Okay, teach me more about this distinction between the form and content so I can really start to tune into content. Another way of coming at this is Workbook Lesson 161. This helps put form and content into some kind of a context. Complete abstraction is the natural condition of the mind, but part of it is now unnatural. It does not look on everything as one. It sees instead but fragments of the whole, for only thus could it invent the partial world you see. The purpose of all seeing is to show you what you wish to see, 
all hearing but brings to your mind the sounds it wants to hear. Thus were specifics made. Workbook 161 In this sense, specifics are analogous to form. Form is always specific. Every object that we could name in the cosmos is specific. It seems like book is specifically different than leg, or finger is specifically different than nose, and so on. The whole world of specifics is the dream world. But then he turns around and says, And now it is specifics we must use in practicing. We give them to the Holy Spirit that he may employ them for a purpose which is different from the one we gave to them. Yet he can use but what we made to teach us from a different point of view so we can see a different use in everything. Workbook 161 And here is a glimpse of the end in the next paragraph. One brother is all brothers. Every mind contains all minds, for every mind is one. Such is the truth. Yet, do these thoughts make clear the meaning of creation? Do these words bring perfect clarity with them to you? What can they seem to be but empty sounds? Pretty, perhaps correct in sentiment, yet fundamentally not understood nor understandable. The mind that taught itself to think specifically can no longer grasp abstraction in the sense that it is all-encompassing. We need to see a little that we learn a lot. Workbook Lesson 161 These passages bring the problem into focus. I am thinking specifically now. I am thinking compartmentally. But my mind, in its natural condition, is abstract. That tells me that in order to come to peace, a transformation of my consciousness, a transformation of the very way that I think is necessary. That gives me a context. At least I am not in the dark about what this is about. In the past I have thought, if I could just find the right relationship, attain some worldly recognition or fame or a goal, and that would bring me happiness. It is great to come to the point of realizing that I have to change my thinking. It is not about just thinking happy thoughts or positive thoughts. I have to learn how to return thinking to the Holy Spirit so that my perception becomes unified. This next paragraph was very helpful for me. 
I remember studying all kinds of theories in psychology, philosophy, and spirituality. Theories can be fascinating, yet you can get caught in the fascination of studying theories about the mind. The ego loves that. The Course tells us to go for the experience. You deserve peace of mind. Do not get sidetracked. The ego is incapable of understanding content and is totally unconcerned with it. To the ego, if the form is acceptable, the content must be. Otherwise, it will attack the form. If you believe you understand something of the dynamics of the ego, let me assure you that you understand nothing of it. For of yourself, you could not understand it. The study of the ego is not the study of the mind. In fact, the ego enjoys studying itself and thoroughly approves the undertaking of students who would analyze it, thus approving its importance. Yet, they but study form with meaningless content, for their teacher is senseless, though careful to conceal this fact behind impressive-sounding words, but which lack any consistent sense when they are put together. Text Chapter 14, Section 10 You can see that if the ego enjoys studying itself, that is another trap to watch out for. There can be many words. I heard our friend saying, I do not want to get caught in words. The ego would just as soon have people go around spouting the coarse verbatim while still hanging on to a self-concept of separation. There is that feeling of too many words, of trying to hide behind a mask of words and intellectualization. We must go into the silence for the experience. Still your mind. That is where the experience is. Now that we have a little introduction on form and content, we can zoom in further with the section titled Many Forms, One Correction in the second chapter, in the second section of chapter 26. The workbook lessons that go along with this section are Lessons 79 and 80. Let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. Lesson 79 explains that as long as you keep defining your problems in terms of form, in terms of specifics, you will never come to peace of mind because that is not where your problems are. You have a perceptual problem that has to be solved. This section boils it down to one correction. It is not difficult to understand the reasons why you do not ask the Holy Spirit to solve all problems for you. He has not greater difficulty in resolving some than others. 
every problem is the same to him because each one is solved in just the same respect and through the same approach. The aspects that need solving do not change. Whatever form the problem seems to take, a problem can appear in many forms and it will do so while the problem lasts. It serves no purpose to attempt to solve it in a special form. It will recur and then recur again and yet again until it has been answered for all time and will not rise again in any form. And only then are you released from it. Text chapter 26, section 2 there is great cause for rejoicing that there is only one problem. There seem to be layers and layers of obscurity and complexity. Dealing with problems, whether they are relational, financial, health-related. It is like trying to plug little tiny holes in a dam. Each day seems to bring with it another wave. You may feel like you can get a handle on it. You have been handling them every day for years and years. But do you not want the waves of problems to stop? Wouldn't it be restful if you did not have to deal with waves? If you could just be in a place of stillness? Yes. Yes. I want them all to be solved in one swoop, in one instant. The Holy Spirit offers you release from every problem that you think you have. They are the same to Him because each one, regardless of the form it seems to take, is a demand that someone suffer loss and make a sacrifice that you might gain. And when the situation is worked out so no one loses, is the problem gone? Because it was an error in perception that now has been corrected. One mistake is not more difficult for him to bring to truth than is another. For there is but one mistake. The whole idea that loss is possible and could result in gain for anyone. If this were true, then God would be unfair. Sin would be possible. Attack be justified. And vengeance fair. Text chapter 26, section 2. Take a look at that one sentence. For there is one but, for there is but one mistake. The whole idea that loss is possible and could result in gain for anyone. If there's only one mistake we want to get clear about, that one mistake, that is where the release comes in. What are some of the thoughts that come to mind? What are some of the losses that seem tangible and real in this world? If a bank repossesses your house, it feels like someone gains a house and someone loses a house. 
or if there are five candidates up for an award, someone gains the recognition, respect, and perhaps even money. And then you have the category of the losers. Say several companies bid for a big project. One company ends up winning the bid and the others lose it. Even in arguments between persons, it can seem to be a battle of wits, of bringing forth more evidence to support your position. It can go on and on, as if it is a battle that can determine who is right. The one who seems to end up proving a point, I told you so, seems to be the right one. And the other one seems to be the one who is wrong. Often it is based on two people desiring different outcomes. Whichever way the outcome occurs, it can seem as if the, the one who gets their way is the happy one. The whole world, as it is set up, is based on loss and gain. And this is based on bodies. Bodies seem to lose and gain. The whole free enterprise system is based on competition, on loss and gain. The whole world as it is constructed is based on that and that is why I have to loosen my mind from bodily identification and get back to this condition or state called mind. That is the only condition where there is no loss and no gain. We have been touching on many overtly physical things. Now let us move to the mental realm. You have heard of voodoo dolls where pins are stuck in a doll in order to bring bad things to another person. It seems as if someone is being harmed, this time in more of a psychic way. Or you have heard of people saying that someone has damaged or played with their mind. Someone like Charlie Manson, Jim Jones or David Koresh. Some of these figures come to mind as if they have brainwashed others. Just think about the belief that has to be beneath that. Obviously, there is a belief that minds can be controlled and that minds can be harmed, whether it is through voodoo or brainwashing. There is the idea that some minds are vulnerable and others are dominant. It seems that vulnerable minds can be attacked. It seems as if the leader or the guru gains control. Stronger bodies seem to dominate weaker bodies. Bigger corporations seem to wipe out little businesses. In the physical sense, in the mind sense, as long as loss and gain are believed to be possible, peace of mind is not. The sonship is cleaved into two camps the victims and the victimizers. We are working our way to the miracle. 
which sees loss and gain as impossible. A key idea is the belief in private minds. Private minds seem to be dominant or submissive. This one mistake in any form has one correction. There is no loss. To think there is, is a mistake. Text chapter 26, section 2. Just think of the idea of loss. Would loss come from God? If everything is an idea which we have started to get at, loss is an ego idea. It is one of the cornerstones of the fear-based thought system. There is no loss. To think there is, is a mistake. You have no problems, though you think you have. And yet, you could not think so if you saw them vanish one by one, without regard to size, complexity, or place and time, or any attribute which you perceive that makes each one seem different from the rest. Think not the limits you impose on what you see can limit God in any way. Text chapter 26, section 2. Fairness is a great topic to go into because in this world, justice is often equated with fairness. But then the question is, what is fair? Some say that fairness is equality, equal pay for equal work. That sounds pretty good. But when you read the parable in the Bible about the landowner who goes out in the morning and hires some people to work his land, he says he will pay them a denary for a day's labor. Then he goes out at about two o'clock and hires some more workers and says, I will pay you a denary. Around four o'clock and again at six o'clock, he again hires some more workers, saying, I will pay you what is fair. At the end of the day, he pays every worker one denary. Of course, the workers who came earlier in the day are not very happy. Friend, hot under the collar. David, hot under the collar? You mean those who have been working for a few hours get the same pay? I remember when I first went over that parable with a friend, she said, that is not fair. You should give those earlier workers much more money. They deserve it. Jesus is using this as a teaching. He is saying that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You get the same thing, no matter how long you work at it. When there is an upset, the usual phrase is, it is not fair. But no matter how you try to attain equality in the world, you can try to pass your laws with equal opportunity, etc., but you would never reach it. At some point, you sense that the idea of equality in form does not work. It is not that some are greater and some are worse. The whole sonship is equal. 
but there cannot be equality in form. As long as you are looking for equality in form, you will never find it. But you can find it in the miracle. The miracle is the Holy Spirit's perception and he sees everyone as the same. In the miracle, voodoo is impossible. Cults are impossible. One mind dominating another is impossible. The Holy Spirit sees them all as a ridiculous idea. The Holy Spirit trains us to see that there is no guilt. The one who seems to be the mass murderer in the world's eyes is relieved big time. The world says, fry him or lock him up for life. And then there is the other one over here who seems to be leading the ideal life, a philanthropist giving away lots of money. In the world's eyes, there is no comparison between these two. Friend, they are not equal. David, they are not equal in any way, shape or form. But Jesus is saying, your perception is messed up. That helps me to recognize that I cannot evaluate. I cannot weigh I cannot weigh the scales of justice. I do not have to be angry at some and have pity for others. I just need to see the world differently. I need to see how mistaken I have been about everything. This is very different than spiritualities that define what is good or sacred or that dictate what needs to be done to get to heaven. There are quotes in the Bible about the wicked being gathered up and burnt. People take that literally. To understand the wheat and tares parable is to see the wheat as right-minded thoughts and the tares as wrong-minded thoughts. Yet, in the end, they are all gathered up and the one is seen to be illusion and dissolves. You are left with the fruit. The fruit is the part that is edible. You are left with the good part. To me, those parables are all about teaching that what you are thinking is what needs to be sorted out. Friend, so there is good even in that one bad person? Is that what you are saying? It is going to be sorted out? It is still going to be the one mind? David, this pulls it away even from persons. Remember, it just pulls it back to. Oh, it is my lesson. It is my mind. And right now, there is a mixture between the wheat and the tares. It seems like the ego thinking has grown in there 
and that my mind is infested. It still has the wheat. It still has the Holy Spirit's thought system. But it is mixed. The Holy Spirit guides you through the sorting. Then you start to see that right-mindedness is content or purpose. I do not have to pay attention to all the forms that my brother seems to make. I just need to get in touch with right-mindedness or right thinking. It often comes back to the body. It hurts when you are judging others. And when you are judging this body, it hurts just as much. The shame, blame and guilt get dumped on this body. Holy Spirit, I do not know who I am. I want you to help me sort that out in my mind so I can come to the experience of who I really am, which is mind or spirit, not body. The miracle of justice can correct all errors. Text chapter 26, section 2.